Today's episode of Quality Control is brought to you by MailChimp. 12 million people use MailChimp to connect with their customers, market their products, and grow their e-commerce businesses every day. Send better emails, sell more stuff. Today, we rejoin the uh, Star Wars Rogue One discussion that was started earlier. The discussion features Charlie Hall, Jeff Ramos, Susanna Polo, and Dave Tack. Just a warning, there will be spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film yet, you may want to hold off. Enjoy. And our, on our other half of the scene, we have sort of some quick business of getting the rest of the getting the rest of the player characters together. Where we have uh-huh. we have um, Cassian and Baze and Sharut in one prison cell, coincidentally right next to darned. the prison cell with uh, with Bodhi, our Imperial defector, who right. is who 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 Cassian manages to bring out of his his truth octopus stupor. <laughs> Right. He's lost his mind, but apparently the key to unlosing your mind is for somebody to remind you who you are. Like yep. he needed something to hold on to and then that sort of reversed because he was going down that path to like to oh yeah, I'm the pilot. I am the pilot. The shuttle pilot. That's me. I and have the message. No, okay, like yep. yeah. Yep. Yep, I'm the pilot. Yep. I mean, and that's the whole thing. Meanwhile, Krennic and Tarkin are uh, are are uh, above the planet and Tarkin says I like this line, too. We need a statement, not a manifesto, which is where we learn that the Death Star has single reactor ignition. Uh, This is one in a series of, uh, well, an entire movie that is nothing but a retcon, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) And I think these are actually all, uh, like, really neat. Like, I I, I could totally get behind single reactor ignition. Like, if you can build a Death Star, you can build it to blow up planets or also not quite all planets. Um, You know, that's that's... That's sort of the, there are gradations of Death Star power. Um, and we get all of those shots that are so similar to A New Hope, where they're basically firing up the, the Death Star. At this point, you know, the, they're, they're aiming at Jeddah because they're done with it. And they're going to wipe it off the map. And uh, then there's that scene with, with, you know, Dad's hologram. And we get the sort of exposition dump where, where we learn that, the, like, this is this is honestly an answer to a question that's nearly forty years old now, which is how could the death how could the Imperials be dumb enough to uh, to have one flaw, one fatal fatal flaw built into the Death Star, or how could the and I guess the flip side of that coin is how could the Rebels have discovered it? And it turns out the answer is they weren't dumb. There was somebody on the inside. It was an inside who, job. Who very much deliberately, uh, uh, you know, created a weakness. Yeah. Uh, he says, there's that line, too. We call it a Death Star. There's no better name. And I thought, yep, that, that only Only Maz Mikkelsen could make that line work. And he makes this, it work so good. Yeah. This may be the biggest surprise of this whole movie to me, which is Mads Mikkelsen did not, in fact, play a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've seen that happen before. <laughs> yeah. Like Galen, Galen and like the... That whole scene is so great. Yeah. Like just on, on the strength of like Mads Mikkelsen's performance, and and I also like I, I don't know like I think people can have there's there's a certain subjectiveness to whether or not you like uh, is it Felicity mm. Jones, 
um to like like her work in this movie but i found her mm-hmm. like her like her reaction to that like she looks like she's gonna puke you and i'm like right. yes like <laughs> that is that is how you should feel to the revelation that after 10 years that your father isn't an evil man that he actually loves you and your mom and has been doing this the whole time that he might have saved the galaxy and oh also the empire has a weapon that can murder planets like <laughs> like all of that in about two minutes yeah you'd probably want to puke like if that yeah they turn the corner on that uh monologue from galen urso so effortlessly i bought it hook line and sinker i thought it was yeah. one of the highlights of the whole film yeah. Uh, and again, like to, to just to, to reiterate what I said, like this is the retcon to beat all retcons. And like Star Wars is no uh, stranger to doing these things like the prequels, for example, which I do not hate, but also do not love. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens in the prequels that gives scenes that took place long after it or long before it. If you watch, you know, movies in the theater um, that give different meanings to scenes like mm-hmm. You know, there's a point at which old Obi-Wan looks at C-3PO and R2-D2 is like, I don't remember owning droids or a droid or, you know, like, and if you watch the prequels and he, or, and the Clone Wars, and he basically spent, you know, I don't know, a decade running around with both of those droids, you you think a little differently about that scene after, you know, they <laughs> retcon stuff in like that. Or yeah. like Leia in Jedi saying that she remembers her mother who died in childbirth, it turns out. Like, there are... There's cognitive dissonance there. This is the kind of retcon that moves in, and I'm like, no, this this actually works. This yeah. doesn't yep. change how I feel necessarily about the the you know the movies that come after it. Um, Jeff, so I, I swear really to God, job. we will eventually get to something that you can have some input on. <laughs> I'm no. so sorry. Uh, the outfits were pretty cool in this one. Yeah, they were. <laughs> yeah, they were. Uh, uh, yeah, let's let's run ahead until Jeff can say something. So basically, yeah. so basically, uh, like this is our ca- this is our Council of Elrond. We finally have uh-huh. all of the all of the characters it's, together. We're gonna it, put them in the same vehicle, yep. and they have to get out of here now. Yep, right. Because we, we, this is this is a turning point. Like we have turned the movie from here to Scarif. That's where we got to go to get Dad. Well, with it, uh, yeah. because no, no, J- Dad's not on Scarif. Dad's oh, on. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. Edo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the ultimately, Dad says that we have to go to the Citadel stop. Tower on Scarif. Yeah, we have to make we a we do the pit yeah. stop. Yes, we have to make a As pit the stop say, in the mines right. of Moria. We got to travel by map here, real quick. Yeah. There, there you yeah. go. Um, there's this really neat scene where uh, where Tarkin on on the Death Star, I believe, there at this point, apologizes to Krennic, but then immediately basically says, "I'm gonna go ahead and take care of uh, take credit yeah. for mostly everything," and. Uh, Krennic gets super pissed because that's he, well. I mean, well, Krennic gets super pissed because he's literally been working on this for twenty years. Yeah, and and right, he's been and, working on this since before the Clone Wars ended. Like that's what the novel establishes that the Death Star was being built before the Clone Wars ended. Mm-hmm. That like the the like it was being put in place, plans were being made, science was being yeah. done. Like they like that the Republic was investigating those plans that the Jedi recovered mm-hmm. on Geonosis and like yep, stuff. We, we saw uh, like the uh, uh, brief sort of 3d thing yeah, at the end and, of episode two. With the yeah, Star, so and, yeah. And like the, the, the fact that like Krennic has finally fired the death stars super weapon on a live target. And, uh, and, and Tarkin just steps in and is like, wow, I'm, I'm genuinely impressed. I did not think that this would do anything. Um, yeah. So now that it does something, it's mine now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Also mine. 
Yeah, so, like I was, yeah, I was good. expecting you to fail so that I could use that to my advantage. But now that you've succeeded, uh, it's mine. Right. So the rebel, the rebels, our our rag team group, ragtag team of rebels is of nobody you know, leaves leaves. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're not even radios really back. rebels. Yeah, they're they're whatever they are at this point. Yeah. They radio back uh, to uh, the guy from the night manager. And tell him that they've uh, confirmed that the Death Star is a thing, and they uh, and his thing is proceed. You know your orders still stand. You have to kill Galen Erso uh, on Edo Edu, yeah Edu, if you have the chance. So um, there is uh, more talky talky aboard the Rebel ish ship. Uh, you know Bodhi meets Chin, uh, tells the story of how he basically told him if you're if if, if Galen told. Bodhi, that if you're brave enough to listen to your heart, you can do something about it. You can make the bad things that you've done right, which sounds an awful lot like what motivated Galen Erso to do things. So and that it's, works it's also it's also Cassian's motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which is an interesting through line that I hadn't thought about before. Um, yep. But yeah, we get right. our we get well, our yeah, very he'll, he'll get to, very he'll do very exactly sparing. That later. Yeah, right. we get our very very sparing Bodhi motivation here. Um, we get a very, very sparing Bodhi. Like, yeah. we don't we don't talk to Bodhi nearly enough to not, not a ton to like necessitate his character. There, I said it. Mm. I don't think Bodhi is necessary at I, all. I found Bodhi the one who is hardest to sort of get into over the course of the film. Yeah, uh, I was pretty I mean, much he's, he's, with everybody else, but right, he's he's the link from Galen to the outside world, but he doesn't have a ton to do after that. Well, but quite literally, the at the end, he is the link. Yeah. 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 Exactly yeah. right. Won't somebody please plug in the thing? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, can badly. you please reset you, the router, Bodie? Could you please could you please <laughs> plug in this giant headphone adapter? Right. Yeah, pu- uh, plug in the, the aux- they, I mean they give him the, the auxiliary cable. port. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah. to be and and he's also a rapper in real life, which is kind of funny. Huh. Oh, yeah. Um I, didn't know that. I will say this about Bodie. I realized sort of after the film there are a couple of things that um that are sort of like there are, there are a couple, th- there's a thing that happened in the film, um, well, okay, table that for later, but I will say this about Bodhi, he is absolutely, like, we talk about it, like, oh, there aren't really any, like, white guys in the main cast of Rogue One, as the, imper- as the, quote, imperial defector, like, they, like, the makers of Rogue One absolutely could have cast Bodhi as a white character, like, he like the empire is white dudes. This guy's an imperial defector. Like it, like that would have made perfect sense. But what also makes perfect sense is what they did, which is they have a throwaway line in there about I think that Saw says about how Bodhi is a local boy from Jeddah. Mm-hmm. That he's not a Coruscanti like mm-hmm. core world, you know, imperial, and that he's not like the one white character that we get to have like heroic sympathy for. That instead, was, like, instead the movie just, like, pushes, pushes on this idea that, like, that of the, the, the supremacist nature of the Empire, um, which I really appreciated. <laughs> I think that, too, the, the, the idea of someone in a, in a position that you just, he's a cargo ship driver at best, yeah. right? And he winds up basically being the catalyst for the Empire's fall. Um, you know, I think that's a very, very sort of Star Wars uh, 
kind of way of looking at things. And if you look at, I mean, if you look at Jeddah, I think you're right. Like that is not that is not a planet full of white people. Yeah, like and that's also you know, who, who did she save from this? From you know, who, who's protecting the the wills? Who did she save? Mm. Who did Jin save from the yeah. seat? Like it's that's a it's a planet full of Asian people. Yeah, and like my other question about Jeddah is like, you look at the architecture there, and like, sure, like the Empire has been dragging it down for like twenty years, and they've been like bashing it up, and but like you look at the architecture in Jeddah compared to the architecture of the Jedi in Coruscant in the prequels. If mm-hmm. Jeddah is supposed to be like where the Jedi came from, and if Jeddah is this like Jedi holy site, I look at like those two different like sort of setups and go like, why aren't the Jedi still here? Like, mm-hmm. like if we can just blip from planet to planet with hyperspace, like, why did the Jedi need to be in Coruscant? What drove that change? Yeah. Like, I, what, like, I, I have all of these questions now about, like, the yeah. urbanization of the Jedi. Like, when did the Jedi get incorporated <laughs> into the yeah. galactic government? Like, they're, cl- they're well, not, like, you know, like, like I have, like, Jedi has sort of given me all of these questions that I'm really interested in finding out yeah. the answers to. Uh, I imagine that they're going to fill in those gaps. I mean... If for, if for no other reason than Jedi comes from Jeddah, yeah, like that's 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 the etymology there. Um, Whoa! Oh my god! So dude. yeah, blew yeah, my mind. So, yeah, so it's <laughs> like there. Yeah, I I think it is more than, and I, we'll we'll talk about this real soon too. But I think it's more than what uh, I, I think we I think we will learn more about this uh, rather than just see it sort of once and move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to, to return to the ship, yes, <laughs> where everybody's talking. Um, th- I think the big thing in this scene, more than anything else, is that this is Jin's uh, character turn. Like, she believes her father, and she says that we can beat the people who did this. She obviously faces some resistance from Cassian and others. You know, she do- it was a hologram. Uh, you- she doesn't have the message. Um, uh, you know, the two characters whose names I can't pronounce, uh, Donnie yeah, Bays- Yen. Yeah, Baze and Chirrut. Yeah, uh, they believe her. Um and so basically what Cassian decides is that uh, he's going to he can go through his mission and, and, and complete it, which his mission is to kill Galen or so uh, yeah. he can he can go through that mission while sort of stringing everybody along, even though uh, he doesn't quite wind up fooling everybody. We also learn that Krennic is also on his way to uh, Edu as well. Um, and we arrive on the uh, the Rocky Rain planet from Alien. Uh, in the middle of a Star Wars movie. Uh, you know, there's a crash. There's a brief scene where the rebels have lost contact, which allows the squadron from uh, from the rebel headquarters uh, to zoom in and uh, and not be called off in a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, number one on the list of really bad military decisions that the rebellion uh-huh. makes based right. on poor... Like yep. on the ground information. It's not right, um, and not for the first time in this movie. Right. And then, then you have that moment where you realize that every faction in the movie is coming to this one place, which means that yep. things are about to get really bad. Right, and and like I like this Cassian moment a lot because he basically makes a terrible excuse about why everybody should stay in the plane or in the ship rather. Uh, and basically, nobody buys it, but everybody sort of goes along at least for a few minutes before everybody you know, goes out and does their own thing. And I think this is also for Jin. Like, why did she leave? Because that's what she did. That's sort of in her blood. That's her dad did that. Her mom snuck back at the very beginning. You know, like that I think is is in her character. Also, I mean, her dad's there, so she's not going to just sit yeah. around. 
Um, but, uh, you know, Krennic arrives. They have a meeting in the, <laughs> in the rain, which seems like a strange place to have a meeting. Look, you know, maybe except, it's, except it's space inside, and maybe like they've cured the common cold and everybody can get be. dry instantly when they walk inside. It, like maybe, I don't know, like it could be. It it's could very dramatic. If they went inside that Cassian wouldn't have a sniper perch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like there's this great like it's totally it's perfect Empire stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, he uh, Krennic says, basically, I'm gonna kill everybody if you don't confess. And then Galen confesses to being the, the, the person who, uh, you know, leaked the plans. And, and then he kills everyone anyway. Because of course he was. Because of course he was going to kill everybody anyway. He's a horrible person. And he's like, already got exactly his super it. weapon. They don't need them anymore. Right. Right. Um, you know, in the meantime, uh, basically everybody converges on the platform. Uh, while an Alliance squadron is heading toward the platform and, and they can't call them off by the time that they restore radio contact. Um, you know, Krennic basically revels in in telling Galen about what he's done. Uh, he said, like, he, the line is Jedi, the last remainder, the last reminder of the Jedi gone. You know, he's just, he's, he's going off on his finger, like counting his fingers of all the horrible things he's done just to rub it in Galen's face. Um you know, there's there's some amazing fighting. There is maybe my my favorite, like visual thing in the movie where Chirrut is that correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, shoots the Tie Fighter that's chasing the X Wing, but at a trajectory where the Tie Fighter winds up, uh, like knocking out the 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 Sentry gun. Yes, he Hawkeyes that like shit. It just, yeah, it's so it's it was so much fun <laughs> to see that. Oh, um, it was not, Dave. It was it not fun at all. Wow. That was, honest to God, that was like a point in the movie where I sat bolt upright in my chair and I said, oh, so it's going to be like this now, is it? Why? Well, okay, well, wait. Why did you say Charlie, that? Like, I what, found your lack of... too far? <laughs> I found your lack of liking cool trick shots disturbing. <laughs> like, really? We're, we're going to let the blind guy... A number one, turn what was formerly a bow staff into an anti-air weapon. Oh, no, 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 no. This is very subtle. They are two different weapons. He has uh, has the walking staff is one thing. He also has a bow caster. In the the fight, after Baze shows up in that original fight on Jeddah, he hands him the bow caster as he is still holding his walking staff. They're not the same thing. It's I didn't catch that until... I thought he, like, converted it. I didn't catch that until my second time through. Um, that's not super clear. Yeah, but as far as, like, not having any Jedi in this movie, like, I, there's one right there. (laughs) Like, he he did some Jedi shit right there, and it, it, it kind of bugged me. Yeah, well, you're not wrong. I mean, it is a little fantastical, but it was cool enough that I decided it was, it was okay. I give it a pass. (laughs) How about that? Um, Yeah, I wish this, this movie about space people was more realistic. (laughs) (laughs) I was promised a war movie. Uh, well, well, that scene well, in Saving about... Private Ryan where mm-hmm. Tom Hanks bends a bullet. <laughs> Truth. Truth. Yeah. And that one best picture. Yeah, so, so, so right. Charlie, take maybe. That. So we're so we're uh, sitting on the war movie. Yeah. What if what if what if we gave you a movie where a uh, son and daughter are reunited? You mean you mean a Feel father and daughter? That's what I meant. <laughs> Father was, and daughter. It, this was reunited. a marvelous scene. I thought this was really touching. Yeah. yeah oh, and God, and just like the, yeah. the, we're sitting on a moment in the movie where it's like, 
like in this, this is one of my, my friends make fun of me for coming up with the sad angle on every story that we go through. But like Rogue One is like 100% Susanna Polo sad head cannons. Where like, I don't even have to find the slant on it. I'm like, we're literally looking at a scene where Galen Erso, the man who put the weakness in the Death Star, is gunned down by rebel troops because of a communications malfunction. Yep. Yep, and that's yeah, it doesn't rough. speak super highly of the uh, Rebel Alliance. Once again, yeah, this is this is not a this is not a group that uh, always does great things or really always has its act together. Um, uh, you know, there's a little bit of stardust uh, calling her. I have so much to say to you, and then he dies. Do you I guys want to? Do you guys want to know be why? A dad I yeah, in the Star Wars a... universe yeah. ever. Yeah, ever. no, it's not no. going to work out. Yeah, well, I mean, Anakin didn't have a dad, and that that turned out great. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, do you guys want to know why Jin's nickname is Stardust? I do. That's in the novel. Um, so Jin was born while Galen and Lyra were imprisoned by separatists and they were imprisoned separately. Um, they were not allowed to see each other while, um, while Jin was pregnant. Um, but Galen was allowed to be there for the birth and for that evening after the birth. So that was the only time he got to see Jin until several months later when they were liberated, at which point she her eye color had changed. She had developed her adult eye color. Um, mm-hmm. And so the second time he sees her ever, second time he holds her ever, he looks at her eye color, sees that they are flecked with other, that it's flecked with other colors, and calls her Stardust Aww. because of her eye color. I like that. <laughs> he was also listening oh. to a lot of Bowie at the time. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Just like, you know, Z- like, didn't fit. Cold nights in the prison, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I yep. told that story just to hear Charlie make that noise. <laughs> oh, that's, well, well, I, I need to read well this done. novel now. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, yeah, everything's gone to hell, uh, but uh, all of our, our heroes ish escape. Um, mm-hmm. This is where ev- where everybody yells at Cassian, basically. Yep, and he deserves uh, it. And, yeah, right. And and like he tries to again. He, he, he what's the line he uses? Something like, "Oh, you're 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 angry, and you need some place to put it. You're in and shock. Like, you a, need some place to put it." There yeah. you go. And and like that, I thought that was a good line. Except mm-hmm. nobody at this point is buying his BS. Yeah. And there's, I think, the most important line here is that like. Well, I mean, he, he makes he makes two points. He makes one point and Jen makes another. The first is, I had orders. I didn't follow them. So that should tell you something, number one. Number two, she criticizes him for having orders uh, and blindly following them. And she says, you might as well just be a stormtrooper. And like that is, that's his arc, uh, mm-hmm. I think, in a nutshell right there. Um, yeah, I, know, I really liked how inconclusive the movie left their argument. Like the movie doesn't really take a side between the two of them it felt like and i enjoyed yeah. that that uncertainty of like well who is right here like Jin had literally came to the rebellion today a day ago <laughs> she was like i just want to get out of here i don't care yeah. about any of this i don't care about the wider galaxy i'm just looking out for me and a day later she's criticizing cassian about not being like close enough to his principles yeah. you know and like that's like that's a real that's a you know that that is like an argument that has been going on for a very long time independent yeah. of Star Wars, um, <laughs> and the fact that the movie like like I feel like a main story Star Wars film would have put a foot down on one side or another of that argument, 
and it's a very it's a very non Star Wars thing to just yeah, let two char- story. yeah to just let two characters argue about that and not have a real <laughs> firm conclusion on it. Yep. Um, and I loved I loved sort of how it ended. It's ending non ending was him basically saying, uh, you know, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. You didn't you, like more people than you have lost everything. Uh, yeah. But some of us just decided to do something about it and hurt, which is about the best possible argument he could he could uh, he could assemble. And her answer to him is, you can't talk your way around this. And they're both like, I get them both 100 percent at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he just says, I don't have to and storms off. Yeah. Like, yeah, OK, I, I get that. He storms up the ladder and everybody else sits down and and decides to stay it's- out of mom and dad fighting. Yeah, it's it's right. It's my favorite uh, Blaze, Baze, Bla- Baze, Baze, yeah. Baze, character moment where he just li- falls back on the slanted uh, door. What would you call that when? Yeah. When they come down, it's a doorish thing. There's a word. I'm not going to come up with it. Uh, <laughs> next scene. Good God, it's it's as if they had said, "Listen, what can we do to make Dave Tack lose his bowels in the middle of a movie theater?" Uh, and that is, and that and that was all right. It's uh, meanwhile in Mordor. Yeah, huh? You, you you cut to a planet. You don't name it, and then you show Darth Vader's freaking castle. Now, I know. Like the first time I saw the film, they they panned around that tower, and I was like, "Oh, what drama loving asshole lives here?" And then they pushed uh, in, and I was like, "Oh, never mind. This makes uh-huh. sense now." Darth Vader's castle was in the original script that Lee Brackett wrote for The Empire Strikes Back. Short version, long story. There was a, George Lucas hired Lee Brackett to write a script for Empire. He didn't like it. He basically rewrote it, threw all of it out, uh, and then uh, hired uh, Larry Kasdan to write what wound up being the best Star Wars movie. But Darth Vader's castle was a plot element in the original Empire Strikes Back. Like The, the, the only thing that ever existed was uh, a concept art. And basically, huh. that became reality, like just perfect Dave nerd reality inside of uh, inside of this movie. And uh, I heard that Dave... uh, Darth. Go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say, I heard Darth Vader's castle is the name of your Wi-Fi network, Dave. It is, in fact. <laughs> it, is, it, it, it is. It. I'm sorry. It is not. But it will be tonight, Jeff. <laughs> um, and Dave. Dave, do you know canonically what planet that castle is on? Because oh, that's it, it's cropped 100%. Up. It's got to be Mustafar. It's, yeah, it's, it, it it's in, in the novelization of Rogue One, it is confirmed that it is on Mustafar. And yep. I'm trying to find the source for this because I want to write an article about it. But um, I've seen just a picture of some text from what I'm assuming is a Rogue One tie-in or source book or art book uh-huh. of some kind uh-huh. of, um, I think, Gary Whitta. Talking about how hmm. um, basically how like in his in his mind didn't get into the script, but in his mind that tower is built within sight of the place that Obi Wan cut off Anakin's limbs. Oh wow! That like really? that's the kind of self flagellating like angry drama loving person mm-hmm. Anakin has become, where he's just like. And I've seen I've seen this amazing Tumblr post that's just like so Darth Vader built a tower on the spot where. <laughs> Obi-Wan cut off his limbs. Does he just stand at the top of it thinking, like, who's got the high ground now, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm sure he does. Just cries about that. He just, yeah, he just, he, he, well, you know, when you're in your back to tank, nobody can see you cry, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. 
Uh, speaking like of back to tears and rain. That yeah. is our introduction to Darth Vader. Yeah, in the, sh- the shot that that Star Wars fans went nuts over in the trailer. Uh, yeah. Who could possibly be in the Vacta tank? It can't be yeah. Darth Vader. That's got to be the cloaked guy. Maybe it's Snoke. Maybe it's what? No, calm down, nope. nerds. <laughs> nope. Turns out Darth Vader. Uh, Krennic is there. Basically, this is more office politics. He's basically there to bitch. Yeah. To complain about Tarkin <laughs> taking taking away his toy. Yeah, he thought he's walking Vader's into HR. Shower. Yeah, he's there yeah. to tattle. Right, right. But Darth Vader. Wait a minute, Jeff. I think you nailed it. Darth Vader is Imperial HR. Oh God. Like the, no, he's like he's president of HR. <laughs> HR needs HR. Nailed it. We're here today for your force sensitivity training. <laughs> oh no. No. That was good. I'll concede. That was oh, good. See that that uh, that is that joke better or worse than the one that Vader makes in this scene? Oh, let's talk about it. It's better. Because uh, I've seen a, I've seen a, that. that's that's the other the other thing I want to write about um, is uh, the fan reaction to the idea that Darth Vader has jokes. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a really good point. Darth Vader is like the it. Michael Scott of the. Because like like I would say that like like Anakin definitely has deadpan in the prequels. Like sure. he he definitely he definitely has some deadpan. I've been like looking through. I'm like I don't, but I don't know if he ever has wordplay. And like Vader definitely rolls out a double pun on Krennic. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> like I mean, you have to wonder like how long has he been saving that one up? Like <laughs> because he he's, as he um, as he chokes Krennic. He doesn't have Krennic. many people to talk to, so yeah. he's got a lot of time. Yeah, to yeah. Things up. Because as he chokes po- Krennic, also like Krennic, like Darth Vader chokes a stormtrooper. Like you know, the audience is not really there for it. Mm-hmm. Krennic probably gets choke this on his aspirations. Yeah, and like, because like, he's choking him as he says not to choke. So that's one part of it. But aspirations but both aspirations. means your ambitions and also, like, to aspirate is to breathe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. beautiful. It is horribly beautiful. <laughs> uh, I love the way that Krennic is just—he swallows hard. He does the yeah. Mm, as as Vader approaches him, Vader, by the way, in a New Hope Vader costume, which is not nearly as good as Empire or Jedi, the weird sort of translucent red eyes, it looks very plasticky. I did not like that at first. Uh, I, I like something in my brain as I was watching it the first time was like, are cameras too good now? Can they capture more information? Because this doesn't look as badass as it was. And then uh, as I was thinking about it, I, I, I realized like, no, it's it's period appropriate. Like, yeah, actually, like, it's really the one. Can we talk about that? Because, so, yeah. you know, Star Wars being a film that was made in the 70s and the aesthetics and all that stuff. Darth Vader's outfit at the time, and we talked about this, I think, in person after we saw the film. It's still an imposing form, and we'll talk about a, a thing later where that really, I think, shines. But, like, seeing it now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. comparing that to the how cool the black stormtroopers look mm-hmm. like you can't have your subordinates mm-hmm. have cooler outfits than you honestly i think the death troopers look a little busy oh um. sorry but, but you know but still but still like their outfits <laughs> yeah. looks their outfits do look slick uh no, there's, they, there's they look very scary that, yeah it doesn't look like a, a kate you know he doesn't look like a, a, a 1970s modem um or they don't <laughs> Right. Where like his outfit does look dated. It is. It is, yeah. it is. It's deliberately dated. Which, but, yeah. which but in is, comparison to the the stormtroopers who are clad in black, they look a bit more modern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a. I, this is the 
challenge of something like Star Wars, I sometimes think to myself because I'm a dork, but like for like the whole idea of, for example, K2SO as a droid who predates C3PO. Well, I don't know if he predates C3PO, but he's a contemporary of C3PO. And it's like, you got to be somewhat careful about how awesome you can make droids because the mm-hmm. droids you've sort of hung your hat on for this time were designed for people to fit inside, you know? And it's right. like, you can you can go awesome. I, like, I totally understand the, why you would want to go awesome with droids like that. But also, if you think about it too long, and you probably shouldn't, like, it, it is a little, uh, like, why would you why would you just not put C-3PO's brain in a droid that can move a lot more? That can catch uh, so bullets and the problem. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I'm just saying, listen, here's what I'm saying. Darth Vader's castle is awesome. And I will bet you dollars. Yeah. To, I know nothing. I will bet you dollars to donuts that was not introduced just for this movie. Mm, dun, dun, interesting. Dun. Interesting. I, I know um, nothing to be clear, but I'm just saying that is. Uh, I'll bet you we're, we're coming back. Yeah, I definitely hit this scene in my first watch through and was like, okay, yeah, like that's a good Vader cameo. That it felt a little shoehorned in, but like that's our I didn't Vader. Love his dialogue. Like, that's our I Vader cameo. That, yeah. You know, like that's all right. That's what we get yeah. for Vader in this movie. I was. Pleasantly surprised. Well, pleasantly might not be the word, but I was, <laughs> I was gratifyingly surprised to be wrong about this being yeah. our our little dose of Vader in this film. Yep. And I just, before we move on from this well, scene, I just want to talk about um, Krennic. That that Krennic's last thing in this scene, the reason why he gets choked is because because he go he takes the thing that I can't remember exactly what Vader says, but he basically goes he, like Vader. Vader tells so, uh, him that the Death Star does not exist. Right. Uh, that 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 oh. there was a mining accident on Jeddah, so it, that's when Krennic says, "So I'm still in command." Yes. Yeah, so uh, I'm still in charge. So like that's Krennic. Like he walks in. Vader walks in the room. Krennic swallows hard, and he's like, "Oh my god, I don't want to die." But if right. there's a chance that he could get out of this with a promotion. But also, I'm not leaving until I uh, until I ask if you'll speak to. To the boss. Yeah. He asks that question like you're sitting with your boss and you want his fries at the end of dinner. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's this is, again, it's one of those little, you don't have a lot of time, but one of those little character moments where it's like, this guy's not only a jerk, but he's a weasel too. Yeah. And 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 I and I yeah. like anything to make bad guys more Weasley. Yeah, and I'm like I with. like I, I sort of left the the screening and went, you know, like Krennic wasn't a super compelling villain. Like he didn't really feel like he had a lot of power over the main characters. Like he didn't really feel like he got a lot accomplished. But then I was like, you know what? But like mm-hmm. that makes sense for this yep. film. Like that puts him in on the same level with the main characters as well, like. The weir- yeah. Like he's and the weird thing is his accomplishment yeah. is the Death Star and it is immediately going to be snatched away from him. Yeah, and that like that like all the leads of this movie are dwarfed by the accomplishments of other characters in the main mm-hmm. movies. Oh, that's um, a really good good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. and then that, that they're they're all sort wow. of yeah. forgotten and unknown and they've done incredible things, but they either don't get the credit for it or don't live long enough to get to see what to see the yeah. fruits of their ambitions or right. what happens with what they do. And I've thought about that every time. Galen dies and they're leaving him and there's that shot of his body laying there. Mm-hmm. And the thought I've had every time is no one knows. As far as anybody's yeah. concerned, the father of the Death Star died. Yeah. 
that's not the whole story, but it's but nobody will ever know. Yeah. So like uh, maybe some like maybe Mon Mothma like maybe a couple of people in because yeah. where we where we go after this is the like rebellion senate argument. Yes, this is where right? everybody yells at each other. So like maybe a few people like like Mon Mothma and some of the other leaders who believed Jin will remember that. But like it's a big open question like to like what out of the Rogue One story makes it into the history books. You know? Yeah, not much. Like we like we know we know from Force Awakens like how much of even Luke's story made it into right. the history books. Right. Actually that makes sense. It kind of strengthens the Force Force Awakens oh. argument that you that the that that it's easy to forget in this universe mm-hmm. uh, yeah. somehow. Uh, for you know for a combination of reasons uh, many of which are hand wavy but at least it's not the first time it's happened. Yeah. So you can go okay well that's that's sort of strengthening the argument. But like, the, and, and speaking of arguments, <laughs> yes. segue, uh, we're on Yavin 4, the rebels are standing around a circular table uh, screaming at each other. Basically, there are two factions, one that says it's nonsense. Like, like first of all, like, okay, yeah, there's a Death Star, right? Yeah. Uh, and also, like, we're supposed to uh, basically come out and, 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 and do a Saw Gerrera style open attack based on the testimony of a criminal and her imperial father the supposed father of the death star and that pilot over there by the way who just didn't do his job oh oh and that that pilot over there who who worked for the imperials 20 minutes ago 20 minutes um, yeah exactly yeah right yeah. like th- like this is again this is this is a a rebel alliance uh, barely aligned. Yeah, and then all the folks who are like, we can't believe them, are the folks who are saying, we need to pick up our ball and go home. It's over. It's right. It's over. Let's just, let's go ahead and assume this Death Star exists. We're done. Like I wanted freedom and rebellion and to overthrow the Emperor, but like I'm out. And yeah. uh, and I mean, and that's the impasse, right? And and Jin really musters she she gives an impact uh, yeah like she gives the big hero speech. speeches that's about to happen by the she way. gives this big hero three. speech and it doesn't work nope not even a little bit uh the, yeah her whole thing is uh you know if you do, the, what i what i wrote down the quote i wrote down was that if you don't do this if you give way to this enemy uh you'll condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission and she's right and this is again this is the person who on jetta was like, yeah, I'll just that's fine. Like, let the galaxy be. I'll, I'll, I'll make my way and not look up and not worry about it. Um, but she is, she is, she's come around. Uh, but she is unable to convince. And I think, understandably, uh, I, I think mm-hmm. it's credible to not want to believe her and to follow her. Uh, she can't convince the alliance uh, to to come together and do this. And. Uh, here we here's the echo of what uh, what um, Cassian said earlier, which she says to everybody uh, that uh, that somebody the, the somebody who's standing around the table, a black lady, who I don't I'm sure she'll have a, a, a an action figure and a name, but I don't know what it is. She says you're you're asking us to uh, to attack an imperial installation based on nothing but hope, and her answer is rebellions are built on hope, which is what Cassian said to her earlier and i feel like uh, you can see there's no hope yeah and i feel like you can see in her face like the little bit of her that's like oh god i'm gonna use his line his line was terrible i don't Uh even really believe this but i just need something for them 
to hold on to. Like she's like you can mm-hmm. see that she's grasping at straws. Right. We're 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 it another thing. We're, we're in another scene. This is not meant to be a criticism, but the right. way I sound, I'm going to say this may sound like it. But like we are in the middle of another scene where somebody gives the best argument that they have and they can't convince somebody. Mm-hmm. So you have to sort of go and do your own thing. And, yeah. you know, Mon Mothma says she's sorry. She's clearly, although she doesn't, I think, explicitly take sides. She no. th- that she apologizes, period, implies that she would be willing to do something uh, rather than nothing. Um, and then this leads to, so like all other avenues are cut off. So now, uh, you know, they prefer to surrender, I think is what Jin says. Uh, you know, her transformation is complete. And uh, and now uh, she, there's the, the ragtag group of even more people mm-hmm. who are going to go in on their own. But and, before and we quite the get there, we get, um, we get. Hero uh, speech number ba- two? No, we get Bail Organa and oh, Mon Mothma yes. talking about. How they have to, oh, Bale, Bale has to go back to Alderaan and tell his people that they can't expect peace, and at the same time he is going to go contact his his friend on Tatooine, and they both yeah, say they says, both say very sotto voice the Jedi. Said, yes, she she says she she basically she asks him what he's going to do, and he says I must return to Alderaan. This is a great, by the way. Like even for people who dislike <laughs> the prequels, it's the most inoffensive but perfect uh, addition. To, to the movie oh, yeah. where you just pull Jimmy Smith's up but he says I must return to Alderaan uh, because he's got to lead his you know he's got to tell his people that there's not going to be any war and we'll need every advantage and she, and she says what about your friend the Jedi yeah. he says uh, he served me well during the Clone Wars and has been in hiding since the Emperor's Purge well there's Obi-Wan for yeah. you so like mm-hmm. nerd goosebumps for me and then he's going to send Leia but, but, you're, you, but, you, yeah. but you'll need someone you can trust and he smiles and said, I, I, I trust her with my life. And, and then and he, that is, yeah. we don't know yet, but a, a setup for, we think, we think at this point, oh, they're just talking about the next movie. Yeah. Mm, turns out. Yeah. And then he, and then he goes home to get blown up in about two days. Right. Yeah. Not which so great. Is, which is the other rough part of that scene. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot of that going on in this movie. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on up. in this act of this film. Yeah. Oh, my uh-huh. goodness. Yes. So we wind up on Scarif. Uh, they have some codes. Oh, well, I mean, there is the scene I shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they hijack the ship. And this is the famous uh, Rogue One scene that gives the, the movie its name. Um, right. And Cassian has, has got th- put, this, and Cassian has right. put together this group of people all dudes for some who reason who are willing to do it yeah who are who all feel like he does that they have that they've done they gotta go. like the con- the context is kind of like they've done so much so much stuff for the rebellion that they feel kind of shitty about That's, that if yeah, the rebellion I, just folds up and goes away that they did all of that bad yeah. stuff for nothing and so they want to Cassian's have done it for a exactly. reason exactly that is exactly it that's the and I shouldn't have skipped over that so thank you yeah. but like that is his arc is this is where he explicitly says I like he's been sort of like mildly whiny for the whole movie at least when he wanted to talk about it about the terrible things he's done we've watched him do some terrible things we've watched him choose not to do what might have been a terrible thing and you know snipe somebody um, and then we watched him whine about it you know not not too many minutes ago but at this point he basically says look uh, if if w- without me if i don't do something right now every terrible thing i've done and every terrible thing we've done will have been for nothing and i can't 
do that. Like I, to him, there's not a choice. And I presume to the people standing behind him, uh, th- there is no choice. We have to fight. Otherwise, he, you know, he'd, he'd be crushed under the weight of all the stuff they've done that was ultimately yeah. for nothing. If the rebellion and doesn't I, succeed, he's just a, he's just a, an operative. He's just yeah. a, And again, right. I, I loved everything about Diego Luna's delivery, about his character arc, and I think that he brought this scene home. And that what failed in this scene for me was everybody standing behind him. It was a bunch of no-name grunts that I'd never seen before. They were assured to have died, and I didn't care about or know a single one of them. And it took another tool out of the director's toolbox, I feel, during the ground battle on Scarif, is you don't have a face and a story or enough faces and stories to tie that ground battle to. And it gets a little lost because there's so many anonymous rebel troopers in the background there. I could only imagine the weight and power that scene would have had if it was the folks from Jeddah, from Saw's Saw's group, instead of just those rebel troopers. Oh, carry them forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I guess my immediate reaction is you're absolutely right, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if you could convince people who have gone that far down the rabbit hole. Well, you know what I mean? That would also, be the that would be the problem. But then again, yeah. that's that's what you need to overcome, I guess. Yeah, that would but that would have been looking, a, that would have been very Star Wars. It would have been think. very expensive too, right? So we're going to spend all this money to CGI Tarkin back into the movie. We we can't get two aliens fighting it out in the Rebel group on Scarif. Like that, we can just get that's one. That's the trade off. <laughs> yeah. well, we have one alien, and then we're done. Yeah. Well, here's the good thing, though. Everyone you care about dies anyway. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. You're polishing brass on the Titanic, yeah. so who cares? So, uh, yeah, so it Cassian w- does his nice speech. They make it to Scarif. Yep. And this is the point where we get the exposition about the radar dish. Like, this, yes. is, this, is, this, is, where, this is where it's all leading, folks. Um, about, about the Michael Buble around this right. whole planet. Right. Well, actually, it is the, uh, the super fun is, beach planet. It, yeah. The, right. Well, listen, like if you're the guy charged with like doing a terrible job of building like a satellite dish and radar and an archive, like uh, archive installation, blah, blah, blah. And you get to choose. You might as well choose the awesome beach. planet. Yeah, it could be worse. Like you could be on the you could be uh, you could be down the street from Darth Vader's. Right. Like you from, Darth, chosen from Darth Vader's eye of Sauron. Right. Yeah, uh, I definitely they, right. would pick the Super Mario Sunshine Planet. <laughs> right, right. Uh, they did. They did, however, protect it with the um, with the same technology that they used to protect the planet in Spaceballs. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, which occurred to me as uh, I was watching it is uh, I thought maybe one of the Star Destroyers would transform into a maid with a vacuum cleaner at some point. You want to know a fun uh, fact about Spaceballs? I do, in I, fact, do. I've seen that movie more than I've seen the original Star Wars films. Kick them off, <laughs> kick them off the call. Nice talking to y'all. See you later. But yeah, we get the exposition about the radar dish. There is the, uh, there's one, there's, you know, there's the one way in and out funnel uh, to here. It all works. Uh, there is another, uh, 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 the third in in not so many minutes, like, let's do this scene. Uh, but it is a really nice one, you know. Yeah. She she basically says, like, we'll, we will uh, we'll go on and on until, we, like, we'll take this chance, and then we'll take the next one and the next one until the chances are spent. Yeah, she, um, very, this, she very delicately says, we're all going to die, <laughs> without yeah, saying we're all going to yeah, die. Yeah. 
I thought it was, it was at amazing. This point I thought that it was I thought, great. Yeah. yeah, it was at this point that I thought like, oh, well, uh, let me give you two conflicting thoughts. The mm-hmm. first was, uh, oh, like, oh, man, I hope they don't all die. And then immediately I thought to myself, I hope they all die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not because not because I want them to die, but because this movie will mean so like ultimately this movie will mean so much more if they do. Mm-hmm. Because that's the sacrifice that got the rebels the plans. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, that kind of like, thing. I didn't, it didn't occur to me. I want to say this here at this moment. Because it, it, it was something that completely did not occur to me. I didn't notice the absence of it, where if it had been present, I would have been just rolling my eyes. And I, but I didn't notice the absence of it until like a couple of days after I saw the movie, which is that nobody questions Jin's competency to lead a group of men. Nobody makes a joke about it. Nobody side-eyes it. Nobody says anything about it. And I I just want to point out how rare that is in action films, to have a woman in any position of authority over men and not to have at least one scene where it's like, where'd you learn to shoot a gun? My daddy taught me. You know, like something like that. And like, it's not here at all. And it was so nice. They, yeah, they followed her there was they made their decision like this yeah. this is the person and by the way they're all following mon mothman anyway you know like it's it's there are you know yeah. there are women but like specifically in, in like here. combat in combat situations uh-huh. like you uh-huh. see this all the time and it was so nice to just not even have like nobody even made a joke about it it no one said, like, aren't you a little bit too short to be a rogue leader? Yeah, or like, you know, like, like, it, like you, you know, you have this, like, Black Widow has to do this in the, in the first Avengers movie. Like, she, you know, like, to that, like, Russian guy, like, he's like, oh, you know, you're just a little lady, like, blah, blah, blah. And then she kicks his ass. Like, um, uh, Peggy Carter has to do it in Captain America, the first Avenger. Like, oh, you're just a little lady. And then she kicks the guy's ass, you know, like, this is a thing that happens over and over again to female characters, and that it didn't happen to Jin is so cool and so nice. So, uh, uh, the I'm glad she's dead. When it hap- <laughs> right. Jesus. Jesus. I mean, the, <laughs> the intent when it happens is to show that you can't, like the, your two examples, Susanna, it seems mm-hmm. to me like the intent when they do that is to call out, don't be dumb. Don't think yeah. that they can't do this. And, right, and, it's like it's like it's to nice call to out. Like, it's like we don't to even present, have the conversation anymore. Yeah, like it's to present like, oh, these women are like are like bold and brave in a, a patriarchal world, and like they don't take you know they don't take shit from sexist men. And but it like it is also sort of a way for writers to like lampshade how badass a female character is by mm-hmm. pitting them sort of against the patriarchy. And while it might be, re- like, quote-unquote, realistic, it also, like, has, when, it, it is, when it's part of a trend, it has a tendency to just be like, okay, yeah, we, we get it. Like, We've seen thanks this for so reminding me that even my most, my biggest power fantasies cannot escape sexism. Like, and so to, like... To not have this in Star Wars, uh, a series which, you know, like, it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. None of this culture grew out of our culture, definitionally. There's no mm-hmm. reason for it to have the same restrictions. Um, and well, they're, to, n- they're certainly not bound yeah, by them. <laughs> and yeah. for it to actually not have those restrictions is incredibly refreshing. <laughs>
Sorry to interrupt the conversation, but I did want to take just a minute to talk to you about our sponsor for this week, MailChimp. It's been around since 2001. You know MailChimp. You connect your store with one of MailChimp's hundreds of e-commerce integrations. You can create targeted campaigns, automate helpful product follow-ups, and send back in stock messaging. You can learn what your customers are purchasing and then send them email. Uh, And MailChimp can actually analyze the purchase history of your customers and make these smart data-driven predictions about what they'll want to buy in the future. This is enterprise-level technology, but it's made simple enough that anyone, even myself, believe it or not, can use it. You just drag and drop. And uh, you also get enterprise-level automation without any of the headaches. You can uh, introduce new subscribers to your business organization. You can follow up with them automatically. Um, And and it integrates with so many different things, WordPress, Facebook, uh, Shopify. Uh, MailChimp can integrate with the apps and web services you use every day. Connect your MailChimp account with hundreds of powerful web services. Then when you sync the applications you can use to run your business and break down data silos between platforms, your workflow becomes more efficient. And that extra time lets you focus on increasing engagement and revenue. So check it out right now. MailChimp. Send better email. Sell more stuff. Now back to the discussion. And it so easily opens the door for this space battle scene that we see played out above Scarif with all of these fantastic female pilots just kicking ass with their ion bombs. And I loved every minute of that. That's that's what I what I dislike when I see certain thematic things in movies is the winking and the nudging. And I'll go back to like, hey, remember Star Wars? As an example of winking and nudging, I like if it's there, and you catch it, I, I, you know that that seems totally valid to me. But once once you once it pulls you out of the narrative, and you're like, uh, okay, everybody, I see what you're doing there. Uh, th- that's the kind of stuff I don't like. And when like no like nobody, you didn't have to. I believe I said this last year on the Force Awakens podcast. Nope, nope. It, you had to go outside of The Force Awakens, and I think the same holds true for Rogue One. You have to go outside of the movie for anybody to care uh, that that you know about um, uh, you know about Rey being uh, the the female Jedi heir to well the Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. Like they don't make a big deal out of it in the movie, and I think that's the best way to handle it yeah. because it just is, right? You don't like do like we don't have to. Again, to use the phrase I've heard in it so many times, like you don't have to hang a lantern on it. It just right. is. This is a fact of life. Doesn't matter. Anybody can do this, and we're just going to do it. Um, you know, and and that's that's what I like is when it doesn't when, when nobody looks like they're patting themselves on the back or winking at you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I don't think we got any of that here. I think it, instead we just got a bunch of stuff inserted. As if it were no big deal, because frankly, it is no big deal, right? Yeah. And it all had and that makes context. it a big deal, like because it is yeah. a big right. Deal. That that it right <laughs> exactly right. It's it, treating a big deal like no big deal seems to me like the like like a great way to frame it. Yeah, yeah. Why um, were there no women fighter pilots in the Battle of Yavin Four? Because they gave their lives over. Not Scarif all of them. And, not all of them. those uh, Y wing. Those Y wing folks got out at the very least. <laughs> Blue Squadron. Blue, blue, we, blue Squadron, not so much. Blue Squadron, blue squadron rest squadron, in there's peace. There's no Blue Squadron. Oh. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, did you notice anything about the helmets when they were uh, going down to uh, Scarif? No. Tell Is me about the helmets. Oh, I just, I just, they looked an awful lot like World War II helmets all the guys were wearing. 
Like they oh, were like they the were troopers? like they were landing yeah, like they were landing oh, say on a beach called Normandy. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. yes. Like, the the like way the, that the, the soup kettles were on their heads, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Um uh, you know, so looks look, it, right. we're back to this thing. Krennic is is heading to Scarif. The our, our rebel friends are heading to Scarif. Uh, you know, on on the on the abyss like probably one way mission. Um, and uh, uh, you know, they they land. Uh, Bodhi does a, a, a an important thing here, which is act as he did before, which is as a as an imperial cargo freighter guy. Um, you know, gets them gets them landed, uh, covers for them as they escape the ship. And at this point this morning uh, is when the um, manager of the theater uh, walked up to me as I was uh, uh, typing on my iPad and told me that uh, I needed to uh, put uh, the iPad down or, or close it or leave. And I said, well, you, after a brief discussion that did not quite become heated, I said, well, you can just give me my money back and I'll go. And we did that. So I don't have uh, I don't have beat by beat from here on out. What? Like there, were, there was but, like a half hour of the movie left. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You should have tried to do a Jedi mind trick on him. I know. I tried. I just, it didn't work. Oh, boy. He, was, he was very he was very adamant that you can't have cell phones. So, well, it's, it's well, not think, it's not a cell phone. Do you want me to move? Do you think I'm bothering people? No, you just can't can't have it. It's OK. You should be like, sir, well, sir, you're talking through the movie. You, yes, sir, talking to me. I, I actually got up from my seat and walked into the back to have a discussion with him. And it wasn't much of a discussion, but um, but there is more Star Wars to talk about. Right. There is. And, so, and I got uh, my $8 back, so it's cool. <laughs> it's cool, everybody. Wow, a world wow. where a movie is $8. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about that universe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Welcome, Jeff. Jeff and, Jeff and I are in New York. City. Jeff and I are in New York, well, gotta, and we all... I mean, what's a matinee? I mean, I saw it at 10 a.m. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. maybe. Matinee. Yeah, we... Was, I think our, our 7 o'clock night of tickets were 13 bucks. But, uh, a couple of observations okay. that I've got about this battle. You brought up the Normandy-like invasion, something that I put up on the site over the weekend, my thoughts on it, some of the ways that Rogue One let me down. I didn't feel... And I think I've alluded to it and and talked about some of the details of it previously in our podcast today. I didn't feel that that ground battle was very cohesive. I I think it was kind of all over the place. It doesn't concern me, though, that that was narratively why it was all over the place. I didn't want it to look all over the place. I wanted it to be a much more vital and a much more vigorous and a much more objective-oriented and gripping battle. And it wasn't that to me. However, up in space... I think that this is one of the best, if not the best, space battle sequence that has ever been in a Star Wars movie. Absolutely. It was so good. Yeah. uh, They they did a couple of things in space, I think, that I really like. First of all, they they gave you a sense of place. Uh, Jason Snell pointed this out on a recent episode of The Incomparable, and he's absolutely right, which is that, uh, like, you can get lost in space. (laughs) You can, like, it's it's Uh hard to sort of ground yourself on exactly where you are and what you're doing because it's an infinite vacuum. But there were, you know, like they went between the sort of rafters or whatever you would call them, the spokes of, of the, uh, you know, of, of the shield closing mechanism. They, they were mm-hmm. around there. There was the iris was scene of them crashing. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as the thing closed, like you got a really good sense of place. And frankly, I did not absolutely in any way, shape or form expect a space battle in this movie. Uh, and I was thrilled both that I got it and that it was not difficult to follow. Yeah, but I would, the, I would, also the ca- go ahead, Joy. 
the capital ships were so well um, portrayed as well. Yeah. That hammerhead destroyer that pushes the crippled Imperial destroyer oh into the God. other one, which crashes into the rip, Iris. Rips that rips the top off of, of the Star, uh, Star Destroyer. Capital uh, ships in, in Star Wars movie battles have just kind of blown up. And they were yeah. they were window dressing to the small fighters flitting around. They were vital and they were interesting. And That's a really uh, good all, point. all the scenes within the bridge of the Mon Calamari cruiser. The bridge was very I, cool. I, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was all so well done. Yeah. Um, um, and yeah, like I, the, like the, the whole the space battle though. I just I want to point out it is like number two on the list of poor tactical decisions that the rebel rebels make. <laughs> because of bad communications that like getting the shield gate open, which is the goal of the rebel fleet, like sort of like once they finally get communications up and running, that's only necessary because the rebel fleet showed up. Yeah. Like their yeah. plan was to get out of there and get back into yeah. space. Like, that's and maybe point. it wasn't yeah. going to work, but they were going to get up there. And then the rebel fleet is like, we're here to help. <laughs> and they like, slam no, no, the no, gate no, shut, no, no, and he's no, like, no. "Oh, um, okay. Here's how you can help. Yeah. Fix the thing you just did, please, <laughs> right. please." Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they got, yeah. I did, like, I'll just take it as read that like the little thing <laughs> has to be opened to transmit outside of it, and and all of that, and that maybe it would have I stayed mean, open. Yeah, but they it, also information got... technology in Star Wars doesn't make any sense, yeah. and we just need to accept that. Well, yeah, and I have to say about the battle on the ground, I. It was a very Star Wars battle. Uh, like the last reels of Star Wars movies tend to do this thing where they separate into like three. Like Episode one, I, I'm and I mean this honestly, uh, although people are going to laugh. Like Episode one, I think did a fantastic thing at the, in the last reel where it basically it separated everybody and told these tiny little stories and then brought them all back together. Mm-hmm. But they told those stories in parallel, and I felt. A similar thing in Rogue One, where they were telling all of these little stories. Yeah, um, and that's the that Return of the Jedi together because they couldn't. Sure, yeah, Return yeah, of the Jedi, Jedi also has that classic ending where there's the, the ground battle, the space battle, and then the emotional battle. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, uh, well, the thing that I think, Charlie, and I, I don't have much proof, but I have, uh, I have my eyes and a brain. Uh, I think that what might have sort of hurt. Uh, the the climactic battle is that is uh is that it is almost certainly not the original battle. Like what really? we saw didn't happen. Yeah. If well, you what watch, makes you say that? If you watch, go go watch. Uh, go to the Star Wars YouTube account. Mm-hmm. Uh, and watch the trailers. Watch the first trailer. Watch the story trailer. Watch like the, the, like there's an extended look that's. Like two minutes and fifteen seconds long, you'll you'll see a bunch of stuff, uh, but let me just give you a couple of examples of things you'll see. Probably the most iconic shot in the the, the Rogue One trailers, uh, at least the early ones, uh, are when um, when Jin runs out to sort of the precipice at the top of the spire, and the uh, Tie Fighter comes up, like at the end of the thing. In the movie that we saw. That Tie Fighter wasn't there. All she had to do was run out and like push a button up, um, and to to start transmitting the signal. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, Krennic was there, and then Cassian kills Krennic. Yeah, there's but, like the, there was a thing where there was at one point, like they finished the effects for this, and there was a there was a 
there was a tie fighter that came up and and was after her. Yeah, there's top. a bunch. There's a bunch of other stuff in the trailers that the, never the, showed yeah, up in the movies. Like there's there are, shots of there are scenes. Yeah, there's of shots of Jin. Yeah, exactly. Um, of Jin running across the beach holding the Death Star plans. She like was, she yeah, and right. Cassian it, got yeah. out of that building, and they're not dressed in imperial clothes either. Nope. Uh, so they're not. What, are they? Yeah. So, and so and then there's also a ton happened. of dialogue. There is a ton of. Yep. Um, there's a ton of uh, Saw dialogue in the trailers that isn't in the movies. Yeah. Um, the line that everybody say, like that everybody was using for Rogue One before the movie came out, where Jin says, You're, "This is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel." That's I rebel. not in the yeah. movie. My God, so, there's T-shirts too. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> there, so here's my, here's my best guess. Trying not to go overboard or or, or unrealistic mm-hmm. is that um, that in an earlier version of this movie uh, or or the script. Um, they did not, uh, the, Jin was a much gruffer character. In fact, I, I am, I, I, th- I think probably having put together the first trailer and her being so sort of gruff and to my mind, unlikable, which is why I sort of flatlined on that first trailer. Mm. Um, I, I am, I imagine that when they did, they did like a month These infamous reshoots that everybody reshoots, flipped out about. Right. Everybody was worried. My guess is, based on what I, I can sort of cobble together, um, is that they sanded off the ed- the rough edges of Jin's character. I don't know if it was a focus audience or multiple focus groups that, like, you know, they showed it to and they didn't like her or whatever. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they took some of the things that were supposed to be gruff about Jin and say applied them to the Rebel Alliance, uh, which hmm. is uh, gruffer and and less sort of likable, um, or even to push some of that over onto to, to Cassian. Um, what I don't understand is what quite happened at the end of the movie because yeah, uh, because yeah, she 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 was supposed to be and he was supposed to be on the beach. There's the other iconic shot of Krennic. Walking, you remember in the first trailer, he's walking, his cape is flowing, and he's walking through the crystal blue water on the beach. Like, well, we know where the beach is, and uh, and he wasn't there. And I'm, I don't know. Listen, maybe he landed in the middle of the battle, and for some reason would walk up a beach in the middle of the battle, and they just cut that out for time or whatever. That doesn't seem super likely to me, but it's possible. Um, but whatever they did during those reshoots, I imagine had to do with Jin and retooling the ending of the movie. I don't have a problem with the ending of the movie per se. I don't know that it was, maybe it was a lot worse. I don't know. I would be willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I think it's pretty clear, like even the Star Wars Celebration trailer, which is only a couple of months ago, uh, was still telling some of the story from that original trailer, like still has effect shots that don't exist. So whatever they did, they changed, uh, they changed... What I would say, what I would guess, is not insignificant yeah. uh, amounts of stuff, and and the stuff that's disjointed, Charlie, maybe about the battle that you didn't, you know, that you didn't connect to or didn't see or didn't like. I wonder if uh, my guess is they probably had to fit things in. Like, listen, mm-hmm. if they did this a few months ago, let's just if if they did it five months ago, let's just say I don't know, um, they would like it would be tough to start from scratch. So you got to, you know, what's laid is played and we can cut stuff out and we can add some stuff in, but we're sort of limited on what we can do. And I imagine that 
that was sort of what happened, where you take some of what was old and like this stuff works, but we're also going to add this or change this around or whatever. Right. Um, so we've and, got and like, yeah, we've got and a, like they had yeah. they had to hit a date is basically what <laughs> well, of course, look, yeah. look, they lost their original composer. Like the the like any criticism. I like the soundtrack. I think it's very John Williams esque. But like any failings of that, uh, uh, I would uh, like I I would be super willing to be charitable to Michael Giacchino. I don't never know how to pronounce his name. I just know it's not like it's not quite like it's spelled. But like he he joined the project. I don't know less than six months ago. Right, and had right, to write right. a full score. Like the other guy For wasn't available or whatever. Movie. He was done. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think he did so, a like, great job. So like there was a lot of that. But ultimately, even knowing all of that stuff, I still enjoyed it. Like maybe it could have been better, but maybe it could have been a heck of a lot worse. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I like changed. Yeah, I like the ending of the movie a lot. I'm super curious as to what all our alternative was. Just you know, for curiosity's sake. Do you know um, what I liked about the end of the movie? What? What, Dave? The second Darth Vader scene. Okay, well, oh we'll get God. there. We'll get there. So we have our three-front battle. The fleet uh-huh. fleet is in space trying to get the shield open. Um, all of our ground troops are... First, they're just trying to create a distraction, and then <coughs> Bodhi has the job of... He has to get word out to the fleet to get them to open the shield gate. And then Jin and Cassian and K2 are infiltrating under because the distraction is getting all the stormtroopers out of the base. They're mm-hmm. infiltrating the base to try and get the Death Star plans. Um, and slowly, as the battle evolves and this sort of permutates, we start picking off characters. Um, and, and so we, K2 is first in our very sad robot death scene. That Um, that was, that was, that was the most I felt about him. Like it was, it was at that, it kind of works backwards, at least in my mind. Like usually you want to build up a character so you feel a lot about them. And then they die, and you feel bad. But it kind of worked backward to me in this movie where they died, and then I felt bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for whatever that's worth, because I think again, the, the the biggest criticism I have of the movie is that they they had a tough time developing yeah. characters. And so, so K two goes first. Um, our next is Chirut, who dies during his heroic. Um, improbable walk out into blaster fire to flip the switch so that Bodhi can get a message up to the fleet. Um, Baze goes soon after in, you but, know... But in, the in, moment, and again, I didn't mm-hmm. get this time one or time two, but you said it. Uh-huh. it Baze goes out and he starts the force right. mantra, yes. let's call it. And and I did not realize the first or second time through that that was him regaining his faith and yeah. then going down. Yeah. Yeah, that him him clinging to his faith in his final moments, um, yeah. and then they get the they get the the Bodhi gets the word up to the fleet, and then a stormtrooper just pops a grenade into the ship. Oh no! Actually, it happens in between because Baze watches it happen. Stormtrooper yeah. pops a grenade into the ship, and boom! Yeah, like and it that's that's our first death the, that isn't telegraphed in any yeah. way. But they the don't look, give us a moment to realize that it's coming. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier the look on Cassian's face. Mm-hmm. I believe it, it was that 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 like the look on Bodhi's face at this point never quite gets to understanding. Like it, it like I, I've watched it, like I said, three times now, and it looks like he is almost there, but he doesn't go. Huh? What? Like he is still smiling, 
and his smiling hasn't disappeared before it blows up. And that, like, yeah. he barely knew it was coming. Yeah. It, like, he did barely had time to register it if he did it all. Yeah. And at that point, I'm sitting in the theater. At that point, I still hadn't, yeah. I still hadn't, I was like, I, I still, I was like, I don't know if they're going to do it. Like, they can't. No, they're not going to kill everybody. Like, oh. and I was, but at that point, I was just like, oh, no, is this going to be the story of all the brown men who died so that Jin Erso could become a hero. Like, I don't want that to be the movie that I'm watching because I'm really enjoying the movie that I'm watching. Please don't do that. Um, especially after Cassian fell in the, the, the weird um, the weird claw game server farm <laughs> <laughs> that they, they had. Sure, they sure got creative with that. Um, where they're pulling out the file called Stardust. Um oh. And uh, and Cass- after Cassian fell, and it's like, oh, now it's Jin to getting to the top of the tower to transmit the plans. And I was just like, oh, no, please don't let this just be all the people of color who died for the white hero. Um, but no, they kill everybody. Everybody. Did, I, and I want to know, like, at what point you guys realized, like, when did you have the realization, oh, no, nobody's getting out of this? Because for I me, it, for it, me was it wasn't until like the Death Star showed up, and then I was that was like the point where I was just like, "Oh yeah. wow, nobody, nobody." The possibility entered my head as they were going down, as they were landing, mm-hmm. um, and that's when I had my like uh, my abyss moment where I thought, "Oh, this this may be a one way trip." It's probably when Bodhi <laughs> ate it, and when that grenade went off inside their transport. I'm like, yeah. there's not enough movie left for them to find another way out of here. <laughs> I think it was, for me, the scene where they're on the beach. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right before well, they died? Yeah, yeah, where, the, yeah. where, the, where, the, yeah. where death is coming towards Tsunami. them. Right. I yeah. won't know. See, the thing is, I didn't even expect that was going to happen. I'm like, certainly something will happen. I'm like, but obviously, I was like, maybe the grenade didn't blow up that close to him. Maybe. Well, I was like, no. Yeah. Well, you oh, know, well, you know, Jeff, rebellions are built on hope. <laughs> Well, and, it was, uh, well, thanks for listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I like, and that was the moment, like the moment that I realized that they were all going to die was when I was like, oh, that's why, because I was going in like halfway through the film, I was like, I'm not really feeling attached to most of these characters. And even the ones that I like, I'm not super attached to. Like, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull off like, you know, the triumphant, like, yay, we did it. Because I don't, I'm not super invested in, like, these characters' hopes and dreams. So, like, when they achieve them, yeah. it's kind of going to be like, eh. And then as soon as I realized that they were all going to die, I realized, oh, that's why. Because yeah. you have to work really hard to get an audience to care when a character succeeds. And Rogue One works a little bit less because it just has to get you to care. Because they're all going to die. Because they all have, they are all inherent, going to be inherently tragic, which gives you that level of drama mm-hmm. that you need. Well, I think this explains why when I walked out of the theater, I wasn't entirely sure how I felt about it. But as I thought about it that night and into the next morning, the more I thought about it, the less foreign, like, as in I'm not familiar with this thing, it seemed. And the more I started to connect these sorts of, you know, dots here and there. Uh, the more I started to like it because it did feel that first run like I did not super care about anybody. I didn't I didn't dislike anybody. I just didn't come to care about them in the way that I thought I would. 
and then sort of time thinking and multiple viewings sort of took care of that for me. Yeah. So they get the plans up. Um, the Mon Calamari general, whose name I can't remember, um, receives the plans. He says, you know, Rogue One, may the force be with you. Um, because what they've all seen on the horizon is that the Death Star has come out of hyperspace. And, um, and Tarkin is firing on the base that they're on with the intent to just destroy the whole archive to keep, um, to keep the rebels from getting the plans. Um, right. and you get the moment of Krennic looking up at the Death Star on the horizon. It's an amazing shot, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, you, and because like, he knows. heat ripples yeah. off the water and, ugh. Yeah, and and you get you know, you get that you get that. <laughs> this is a comics nerd thing. You get that Watchmen shot <laughs> of Cassian and Jin embracing in front of a nuclear explosion, um, or the Star Wars equivalent of a nuclear explosion. Right. Um, right. God, yeah. If, if right, you if you want the, the and if you want the the Susanna Polo sad head for this, it's that. Um, the rebels, even if they were going to make history out of this, they probably only know Jin and Cassian's name, maybe Bodhi's. Yeah. Like, Baze and Shrut are complete unknowns to them. And, like, yep. it's a situation in which, like, even if there was enough to do a forensic sweep of the base after the <laughs> Death Star hit it, like, K2 is, J- K2 is just going to be mistaken for any other Imperial droid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The part that was the weirdest for me is when um, Cassian turns to Jen and he goes, you met me at a really weird time in my life, and then everything explodes. <laughs> it's like a Far Side comic. Yeah. That's a Fight Club reference, but okay. <laughs> uh, was, The weird was... part for me was when everything just sort of freeze-framed, and then Jen said, so you're probably wondering how I got myself into this situation. <laughs> yeah. uh, then a baseline, yeah. that baseline plays, yeah. So, just when we're feeling absolutely the worst, and I was sitting in my press screening completely rigid with a hand over my open mouth, uh-huh. we cut to uh, the rebel ship that has just received the Death Star plans, and they're printing it out on a floppy disk, I guess. I, yes. And... I love this scene so much for 35 different reasons. Then I'm going to spend the next hour and a half <laughs> talking about it. Oh, she so, was like a dot matrix printer. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like well, don't, don't bother pulling the holes off the side. Just get it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's buffering. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so let's talk about how much the scene was grand. Yeah. So, so then remember, out. remember when we thought that just that one scene in his sad tower in his in his angry tower, his brooding mm. tower was going to be all that we were getting. To his sadness. Yeah, that's what we were all. all that's all we were going to get of Darth Vader in this movie. Not nope. quite. Not so much. So, couple of things. First of all, I I never knew I needed to see this in <laughs> in in such a visceral way, but like this is precisely what Darth Vader would do if Darth Vader were in this situation. Like the idea that he like, that, like it begins when 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 you sort of when I first realized what was about to happen, there's the smoke pouring out from from far away from the camera and it's like black smoke, like they treated it that way, and then there's the lightsaber the, the red lightsaber turns on and you realize it's Vader, and like 
because of what had happened before in the scene, you realize that there are things between Darth Vader and his goal, and he's just about to wreck shop. Yeah. And and he does it effortlessly, like precisely as Darth Vader would have. Like I could I could critique the dialogue in the scene before and maybe some of the weird hand movement that he did in this castle, but like this was pure, like undiluted, absolute, total Darth Vader to me. That said, it's not super. It's not very much like Episode Four Darth Vader, who's an old man. I'll grant did he you that. like sprain an ankle or slip a disc <laughs> I know, in retrieving I know. these I documents perfe- in between I this am, and episode four? I agree with you, and I am perfectly willing to overlook that for the rest of my adult life. Yeah. For the rest <laughs> of can, my natural life. We can I just... watched two hours of wheat blowing in the wind if if if, if the if two hours and one minute later this showed up. And then, and then, and then, and this is the thing I loved about it. This is the thing that I re- really blew me away. It would have been enough to unleash Darth Vader's hell on a on on a bunch of dudes, right? But they actually wrote the scene. I think this is so smart. They introduced Darth Vader is tension defined, but the scene had an underlying tension, which is. We need to pass this information because we are a like we are, you know, the width of a hair away from losing all of this. We need to get this information from here over to there. And he is killing like he is coming in like the wave that is crashing in on the beach below. And he and 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 he's killing everything in his path. And the only way and nobody stands a chance. There's nobody to fight. The only way they possibly have to get this thing away is by basically playing a game of catch or, or passing a baton. Hot through potato. A thing. Right. Yes. They put they put they put a slight thank God it was slightly cracked open. I don't know why that was, but it worked out really well. A slightly cracked open door. The dude like banging, screaming for people just to get there. Not because he needs his life, but he needs to give this information to them. Like there are two levels of enormous tension happening right then and and sort of building into a into a crescendo and that that is for all of the like uh, for there there are a million scenes in a million movies where people uh, sit around and talk about things and like the camera never moves and you know and there's a bunch of exposition this isn't this is entirely show don't tell and i think it yeah. worked like like f- head and shoulders above anything else this yeah. scene w- was was to me just perfect yeah, I, I sat there like watching, and the, the first thing I thought of as the credits were rolling, where I was like, 30 seconds of Darth Vader, there were two nuclear holocausts in this film, and yeah. watching Darth Vader was scarier than both of them. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He, he is absolutely, it, it is precisely the terrifying Darth Vader that, yeah, and, that, that and is the, from A New Hope. And the other That's thought him. that I had where I was like, oh, this, this explains why he's so slow in... The this is why this is why explains why he's like a two feet on the floor fighter in, you know, in Jedi and in uh, maybe not in A New Hope. Like, I don't think they even had a fight choreographer in New Hope. Um, But (laughs) compared to like compared to like the leapfroggy antics of the Jedi in the prequel movies is like he Mm. hasn't had to be fast for 20 years. He's the only Jedi. Like he's he's the only sword fighter. In the universe. Right. A literal room full of soldiers, hallway full of soldiers, is not even close to a match for him. Yeah, he's bored. Right. Like, 
Well, so the thing, so on that scene specifically, I wanted to jump back to the comment I made earlier about his outfit looking goofy. Like that scene, though, in particular, I think reestablished, like, no, the silhouette of Darth Vader is menacing. <laughs> like, it's menacing. And, like, the angle it was shot at, too, like, really pushed forward, like, yeah. this is just a shadow of death that is going to get you. And that's it. There you that's go. That's it. So I was like, yeah. and then that's when I realized, I'm like, oh, that's why he's a good villain. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I get it. Uh-huh. Right. Like, that That was the, I mean, you know, obviously, we saw a scene with Darth Vader uh, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes before this. And I didn't question whether that was Darth Vader in the way that like, again, as a guy who likes the prequels, really, I really do. I just don't love them. And I don't think they hold a candle to other Star Wars movies. Um, I, 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 I believe I said this on last year's show too. The biggest failure to me of the prequels is that they did not convince me that Hayden Christensen was the person, older, but the person inside of Darth Vader and that's like, you know, in episode four, five and six, ultimately that was their, their one job. And, and I think they sort of failed at that. So I have, so even though Darth Vader made a brief appearance in episode three or two brief appearances, I guess, I, I did not feel like I had actually seen Darth Vader until I saw this movie and I saw a credible Darth Vader and then I saw a brand new, but perfectly uh, justifiable, understandable uh, Darth Vader too, and that and was I, and just will, like wow. And I will give you that, but like uh, to me, don't Susanna you, don't said you it dare. earlier. <laughs> I'm sorry, Susanna said it earlier. Uh, the, the characters in this movie were uh, it was beautiful, thwarted by the accomplishments of characters in other movies. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that Darth Vader undid all his other appearances. All his other appearances in the other six movies. I really do. I think that he was too efficient and a killing machine. He was too effective in this. He was just too good. Where was that Vader in the other six movies? Well, well, you have to remember that like um, all of the lightsaber fights that Vader has in... Well, not all of them, because there's his fight with Obi-Wan. Um, but in, the, in Empire and in Return of the Jedi, he is never actually trying to kill his opponent. Yeah. Right. And by the way, he's fighting a kid who isn't really, really a Jedi, who's had the bare minimum necessity training, who, and also, by the way, is his son. Spoilers. I got to go. I got to go back. I got to see it again. Mm-hmm. I got to see yeah, it maybe you, two you more sure? times. I got to watch it some more because it just, it didn't work for me. And I'm still wrestling with that, even after the piece that I wrote, even after our podcast. Mm-hmm. I got to go back. I got to do it again. got to go back to way, the Charlie. Island. If I'm. <laughs> If I have a crimin- incriminating evidence of you and I'm trying to pass it t- to a news outlet and it's just you and, and you have a lightsaber, you would tear ass through that hallway. <laughs> you would. And the, st- the stakes are not the same. They're blowing up his future. They're, they have plans to blow up his future house. That's where he lives, right? The Death Star? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Death Star house. Yeah. No, Jeff, he lives in that tower. We saw that tower. <laughs> Yeah, but then yeah. like that's like his that's his RV, right? I don't know. It's his you know summer home. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's his vacation villa. Yeah, it's it's so. Anyways, when he becomes a president of the empire, it's his White House, right? How's Star you Wars got work? It. You nailed it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I think I, I think it's it was more like the like he was basically the last line of defense of making sure it doesn't get into the hands of the rebels. Like, and he's yep. still it, not it was, and it was very much a like, well, I guess I have to do this now because you guys can't handle this. Because, because the, the rest ship. of you have failed. 
Yeah. Right. Right. Because there, because I am right. surrounded by gross incompetence. Right. And I mean, is that not what Krennic's reputation is? And and I think at this point, it's fair to say, well earned reputation is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a good thing he died because that up. would not have been a great employee evaluation. No. 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 <laughs> well, he had to go back to HR on Mustafar. <laughs> yeah. So. It would have been bad. And then, of course, there's the end end, the actual end. Right. Yeah, we can't we're, talk we're, about Rogue One without talking about that last scene. Tell me about it, Charlie. That as they hand off those plans, as Vader is tearing at, ass through that corridor. <laughs> yeah, he is. Then the, that stricken Mon Calamari flagship just kind of wilts in orbit and it kicks out the airlock, the rebel blockade runner, and who's inside? but young Carrie Fisher. That's right. And what does she say? Her line is, what What do they give you? I believe somebody asks. And, they gave us what do you have? They hope. gave us hope. And the title of Star Wars Episode Four is called is a, new hope? a New Hope. Yeah. What are, what are, what are uh, rebellions built on, Charlie? They're built on hope I've heard, Dave. That's correct. <laughs> that, that, like, uh, boy, did they draw some clear lines. I, good, like not bad. Yeah. Clear lines into exactly what follows. I don't know if it's the next day. I don't know if it's the next week. All I know is her dad told her, uh, "Take this and get your ass to Tatooine." So there, there I don't are two know how long things. it takes, but yeah, that is it. There are two things about this. Uh, one, I'll just say that I was I was so distracted by goofy AAA video game young Carrie Fisher that I did not find I, the, I, my reaction to the line was like, "Well, okay." <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. The subsurface, the subsurface scattering though was just so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, like you, like this is a, yeah, this is you scotch taped this movie to the other movie. Good job. Um, but, but like my other favorite thing about this that I didn't realize until afterwards, and that I had to like read on a post on the internet, is uh, people are pointing out that like the stone cold guts that Princess Leia had. To look Darth Vader in the eye and say, <laughs> this ship is on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. And we were not in orbit above Scarif. We did not receive any plans that you personally followed down a hallway until they were shoved into our airlock. We did none of that. <laughs> that, you, that I know you personally saw with your own eyes. Yeah. She's tough. Must Damn. have been another gal. <laughs> so wait, so what do yeah. you think is going to happen in the sequel? I think there's going to be hope, but yeah. that's about as far as I'll wander. Yeah. I I mean it really was ballsy too to um I think it speaks well to Disney as a steward for the franchise to explicitly make a movie that has zero chance of a sequel. Yeah. Although uh, I'm, I've I read somewhere that Felicity Jones is, or at least it's in her contract to be pulled back for a sequel. Um, I don't know where they would put her, except somewhere earlier on the timeline. Yeah, or in a coffee can. Well, I mean. somewhere, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere early on the earlier in the timeline, such as like in our confirmed Han Solo prequel movie. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Well, they certainly do like to intertwine things. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them. But you know, I keep your options open. Yeah, like I don't, I don't think that there's. I'm not super, 
I'm not super burning for. Um, I think that the Rogue One is a really good encapsulated standalone, which is very yeah. unusual in our modern blockbuster franchise sort yeah. of like system. Um, and if they if they you know if they want to take some of these characters and put them in other movies that happened earlier, like I'm for it. But I also I don't think I need that in the same way that like this is controversial among Polygon employees, but like where I'm like yes, give me a Pacific Rim too, you know like. Yes, That's turn this thing that I love into a franchise, you know. Yeah. This is very controversial, Dave. Trust me. Well, I don't. <laughs> wow. I don't, who wouldn't want more big, giant robots? Yeah. See, that, that's what I'm saying, but, you know, I want to, I wanna, you know, I don't want to put that out there as the official stance of Polygon.com. Oh, okay. Well, you can, it's my official stance. You can put well, that out there. Sure. You can see Felicity Jones in Rogue 2 coming in theaters 2019. <laughs> I certainly hope not. I yeah. But it's like Rogue, it's like Rogue 2 T-O-O, like, I'm a Rogue 2. <laughs> it's oh, like, now I you see it. me too? Like, look who's talking to. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, or now you see me too. <laughs> so what are your marching orders now that you're part of the Star Wars family, Jeff? Where yeah. where do you take your journey from here? So actually my real follow-up has nothing to do with this film. Um, I would like to know more about stuff that does not take place in the movies. Like I'd like to read. I, well, so the art book that came out recently, like actually I really want to get that. Because uh, I do, if there was a thing that I did love about Star Wars from the second I saw it is the design yeah. is incredible. It's a beautifully thought out world visually. Uh, stories, whatever. Um, but <laughs> I'd like to know more about other stuff. Like I always thought, like Boba Fett was cool, or like what are other things that happen. So I think this mm-hmm. sort of what I liked about Rogue One and even like Force Awakens is that it's not about this whole overarching thing. It's about the sort of ground operations of a handful of people who are doing mm-hmm. things. And I think I, I know there's other things in the canon of Star Wars that are there. Um, so I'd be interested in that and sort and outside of this whole like galactic thing um i've always liked the, the more personal part of those things um so I'm, I'm interested to see what's there and i i'm i'm sure i have a world of people who can tell me where yeah. i should look yes, next. i think i think I, you'll be very interested in this week's issue at hand jeff wow yes huh. and you mentioned what, that art the, book i expect to go downstairs and find it sitting on my uh doorstep right now so i'm hoping yeah, to get the article on that art book uh, up in the next day or two excited yeah, mine's on its way i look you know Charlie and I did an episode of what was the name of that show that the video show that wasn't speed run uh, was Friends it List. overview friends list, list. Yes, that's right. that was fun a few years ago yeah we did an episode when when this whole Star Wars thing the, the when Lucasfilm and Disney started up and uh, short version long story they announced that they were putting aside the what what had been the expanded universe up until that point where you know all of these all of these novels and comics and things that had taken place after Return of the Jedi because they were now going to start to do canonical stuff. And what I told Charlie then, I've thought about several times since, including at this very moment, which is I just like Star Wars as a universe. Like, like I don't think Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars film. Uh, I don't think it's my second favorite Star Wars movie. But it's really, I really enjoyed it. And uh, like... One day they're gonna make a bad Star Wars movie, and like I'll live. <laughs> I think I they just, already have. <laughs> right, that, fair, fair enough, fair enough. But like I just, <laughs> I enjoy, I enjoy this. I think it is a really interesting universe, like you were saying, Jeff. Uh, you know, like and like I was saying earlier, the, this this gritty, weird, dirty spaceship universe. 
is just a good playground to tell a lot of stories. And I think this was a good story. Faults and all. So, so, yeah. so to that point, too, like I really enjoyed the Animatrix uh, as an idea. Sure. The yeah. series of short films. Uh, the Matrix was here nor there, whatever to me. Well, the first fine. one I, was good. Yeah, first one was good. And then it became like a weird... Uh, whatever uh, but dream. I yeah. yeah sure it became like a weird underground dance party which you think I'd like but I didn't but no, it, was, the it anima- was totally a rave remember that <laughs> yeah uh, but the Animatrix I thought was a really clever idea and I like the, the sort of construct of what the Matrix is and I think there's a lot of cool things you can do inside of it yeah. and the Animatrix was a really good expression of that so like if they're like and I think that's why I liked Rogue One too because it's sort of a Star Wars side story inside of this established universe there are some nods to things that I know about like you know and I think if there's more of that if there's like a whole book about Boba Fett doing things and shooting guns or whatever Landa Clarissian's up to like and I'm sure there are like I'll mm-hmm. eat those up so I think there's for me there's chunks of it that I think I'd enjoy yeah I can't wait for the for more Rogue One tie-ins like I want to know Bays and Shavert's story. I want to know more about Cassian. Yeah. Like, yeah, give I me want, that book. Yeah, like, like yeah, I'm ready to eat all of this stuff. <laughs> right, and the, and the best part about that now, at least to me and my kind of, I guess, nerdery, is that Lucasfilm is being very deliberate about the stuff they're putting out. You know, like you, there was a point several years ago to a decade ago to a decade and a half ago where you could go read, like, this is an interesting story that says what Darth Vader would have done or did after Return of the Jedi. No, not Darth Vader after Return of the Jedi. But, like, Luke Skywalker after Return of the Jedi. And, like, they were fun, and some of those stories were really good, but they weren't really, really stories. And we live in a world, like, God, to be a kid right now. And, like, I feel like when I was a kid in the 80s, we got, like, once every three years, we got, like, a Star Wars or an Indiana Jones, and that was it. It was just amazing that these things existed at all. And now we're in a now we're we live in a world where we're going to get a new Star Wars movie every year. They're two for two as far as I'm concerned with the movies. And in the meantime, the people making Star Wars are so concerned about it being good and and keeping it straight that there's a thing called a story group that if they don't flesh out a character well enough in a movie, like the story group will, you know, can and will assign somebody to write a backstory that is actually like th- that a movie theoretically, uh, you know, made in the future has to live by. Like it's not just these sort of scattershot things everywhere. And of course, they could always go back and change their mind, but they are proceeding in a way that's really interesting because they're keeping all of this stuff straight. Like if you want to know what was up with, you know, Poe from uh, The Force Awakens, you can go read comics and find out who his parents were. And that's not just like a fun diversion, but like it's actually the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and, I wrote and, an, and that's there's a lot of that. Yeah, I did an article about that recently about how like I totally understand why people were upset when they wiped out the expanded universe. Um, but like I can look and like I'm a person who like professionally like absorbs fictional information so that I am better at my job. <laughs> like yeah. and like like, I know, uh, you know, like, I've, like, over the past five years since, like, sort of embarking on my career, like, I've absorbed, you know, Doctor Who, Star Trek, you know, like, I've deepened my, like, deepened my knowledge of Lord of the Rings and, like, a whole bunch of this other stuff. Star Wars canon has, like, the expanded universe before 2014 or 2015, whenever they erased it, had, like, four or five different levels of canon <laughs> that yeah. were all individually labeled. Um, and like, 
And I would look at that as like an outsider and be like, I don't know what to do with this. And like, I do this for a living. Like, and, right. and that now I can pick up a Star Wars novel, open it to the first few pages, and there's just a timeline that has yep. less than two dozen things on it, including the movies. And it's like, uh-huh. this is all, this is, this is all, this is all Star Wars. And this is all canon. None of it is like gray canon, you know? None of it is like, oh, well, this is a Star Wars story and maybe it's true and maybe it's not. Or like, maybe you'll see some elements from the movie. It's like, no, this is all part of one contiguous universe. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. And And they were doing that before where they were trying to keep things in line, but it didn't matter ultimately. Right. And they didn't necessarily do a great job. Now they're really, you know, now it's not like they have an iron grip on it. They just want to make sure it's all true. It all works yeah. out. Like, yeah. like to the point where, like, what's the distance between this planet and that planet? We have to make sure we're right in the book so that it's all, you know, so that the movie's also right. Which is a long way of saying, like, Jeff, if you want to read nerdy stuff, there's plenty of it for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Well, I want to thank all three of you guys for joining me today here on the podcast. And um, I look forward to doing this again the next time that we've got a Star Wars movie to talk about. Remember when I said it was going to be shorter than last time? <laughs> it, is, it is technically shorter than last time. Oh, good. By right. an hour. I'm pretty uh, sure. All right. Okay. I want to say one final thank you to our sponsor, MailChimp. 12 million people use MailChimp to connect with their customers, market their products, and grow their e-commerce businesses every day. MailChimp, send better email, sell more stuff. Sell more stuff.